So I was reading the story about this gentleman who was in town, and he called one of his friends, and he said to him, I want you to pick me up. I want you to take me to the best steakhouse, meat house, best place that has the best meat in all of your city. He said, all right, I can arrange that. So he went and he picked him up and got him in the car, and they drove to this restaurant that was called The Tongue. And all that they served at that restaurant was tongue. Fried tongue, boiled tongue, grilled tongue, every single way of cooking meat, tongue. And so this guy looks at his friend and says, man, I I thought I asked you to bring me to the best restaurant that had the best meat in all of your city. He looks at him and says, let me ask you something. What other meat can affirm you like the tongue? What other meat can compliment you like the tongue? What other meat can just make someone feel good, build them up, lift them up like the tongue? He's like, all right. So they sat down, they ordered, they ate. And a couple days later, he calls his friend and he's like, hey, I want to go eat with you again. But this time, I want you to take me to the restaurant that has the worst meat. All right, worst meat in all of your city. And they start driving and they show up at the tongue. And he just looks at his friend and he says, What other meat can tear people down like the tongue? What other meat can destroy dreams like a tongue? What other dream can just put people down and say all things that bring you down like the tongue? And church, the tongue has power. I want to rattle off a few verses. If you're taking notes, there's four verses that I'm just going to shoot out real quick. The first one's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And it says, for, who, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Look what this next one in Ephesians says, or Colossians, sorry. Let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Ephesians says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And in Proverbs 15, it says, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. We don't understand many times the amount of power that words that come out of our mouth have. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. One more time. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, if you go up one verse to verse 20, it tells you a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips He shall be filled. And what's he going to be filled with? Death or life. Death or life. Church, have you wondered or really studied or meditated, thought about what comes out of your mouth? I mean, are we aware 
of what comes out of our mouth? It's something that we have to pay close attention to because what comes out of our mouth has power to speak life or to bring death. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew. If you go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 13. Matthew chapter 13. Sorry, not 13. 12, thank you. I was close. So what happens when you give the media team 25 verses. Get them mixed up sometimes. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Do you guys remember here in Florida many years ago where they started having to cut down a bunch of orange trees because of the canker? And you would realize it because you would start seeing that the fruit had a certain thing, and they ended up, what would they have to do? They would have to cut down the tree because once it had it, it brought death. Okay, so Jesus here saying the fruit, it's either good or it's bad. The tree's either good or bad. And then he continues to say in verse number 34, you brought of vipers. It makes me think, what would Jesus say if he was talking today? But anyways, brought of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Again, verses 36 and 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned can i tell you something every word that comes out of your mouth is recorded in heaven every single word that comes out of your mouth is recorded in heaven and you will give account to god for those words let me teach you a little bit as Christians, we come to Christ and we are saved. And when we go to heaven, we are going to face the judgment seat of Christ. Now, in the judgment seat of Christ, it's not about your salvation. Only believers go there. It's about you getting your reward for heaven. It's about you giving account. And some of us are going to miss out on things that God would have wanted for us because of what comes out of our mouth. Because every word that comes out is being recorded in heaven. Too many times, like, oh, I said it out of frustration. I didn't mean it. Papa, once it comes out, it's out. That's why Jesus was clear. You're going to give a record for every idle word. And we are so easily assassinating people with our tongue. I'm going to take it a step further. It's not just with your tongue. It's with your fingers on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. 
It's with every story you share, every email you send out, every other these things that are, don't know it, it. Somebody, something cuts you off and is like, I can't believe these drivers. I, it, it, everything that comes out. You don't understand that it stays there and it's on record. I mean, h- how many countless athletes right now have missed out on scholarships or people who were, ha- were going to be drafted high into the NFL and they bring out a tweet from when they were 15 years old? I remember when I was a youth pastor and I was setting up a college fair and I had uh, an attendant from one of the local universities and and I was meeting with them and I said, hey, they they said, is it okay if I talk about social media to your youth? And I said, of course, but what's the thing? He's like, I want them to know when we look at entrance exams and we look at things to give access and bring them into honors college and different things, we check what's your email address. Is your email address your name or is your email address I'm so hot 52 or whatever? What are you posting on your social media? What pictures are you putting on your profile? Colleges look at it. If colleges on earth look at it, what do you think God is doing, man? God's like, as parents, sometimes we don't realize what comes out of our words to our children. I've been there. Where I catch myself, I was like, what, did just, what just came out of my mouth? And you know, as Christians, we're supposed to be held to a higher standard. And what we say has weight. We need to understand something. Not just a person that's a headship in authority has a thing. No, no. Even you in your workplace, it just be, because you've been there a little longer than someone else, you have authority over some people. Not necessarily that you're their boss, but if you've been there for three years and there's a new guy, they're going to ask you. I mean, even if you work at Publix, they're going to ask you, hey, where does the Mojo Kirby go? You know, because you've been there three years and they've only been there a day. There is always someone that we have influence over. And what are we saying? Are we measuring what comes out of our mouth? Are we paying attention to it? Are we aware that there's power in what we say? Any any of the gentlemen that I mentor or talk to, I talk about me personally because... I'm very quick-witted, and, and I can come up with a quick, witty answer in many, many situations, and many of those quick, witty answers are not God's best to come out of my mouth, right? Y'all looking at me like you're all in charge. No, I, I, I am. I can be honest. So I've learned something over my years as a Christian and is that many times you're in a situation with somebody, so for example, me and Tony, right? And I know Tony's mad at me right now, for whatever reason. And then Tony's like, tell me something, what are they? And, and, and I'm there and I, I decide to stay quiet, right? Because I learned that almost every time that someone is mad at you, no matter what you say, they're still going to be mad at you. Anybody ever experienced that before? Okay, now watch this. So I know that if I say something or if I stay quiet, he's still going to be mad at me. But if I say what I want to say, 
I'm going to have entered sin, and now I got God that I got to go repent to. So I have learned that I'd rather stay quiet and have the person just stay mad at me because I stayed quiet than have the person still be mad at me and now have to say, God, I'm so sorry that I let that come out of my mouth. I've learned. Sometimes you bite your lip. I was taught at a very early age, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. And I heard it in Spanish. Si no tienes nada bueno decir, no digas nada, right? Like, no hable. That, that was it. Thank you, Mom, for finishing it up. <laughs> because what we say, you can't take back. How many of you have ever gotten into an argument, with, perhaps with your spouse or a loved one or whatever, and something is said, and then there's repentance, and y'all, okay, I forgive you, but three years later, something happens, like, but you said... Once it's said, you can't take it back. As a matter of fact, you know what? Many a times, especially as Christians, we should just be mute. Pastor, why are you talking? Because you don't want to hear what I got to say. Because I don't want to say what I want to say. Because I'm in the flesh right now. And the flesh ain't going to edify. It's the tongue that hurts and brings down and cuts down. So I'm going to stay quiet, I'm going to swallow it, and I'm not going to speak it. Can I, tell you, can, can I go a step further? Saying it at the wrong time could be just as detrimental. Saying the right thing at the wrong time could be just as bad. I heard the story about this frog that was trying to cross this big raging river. And he's getting there, he's trying to swim, and he couldn't get across, couldn't get across. And he got one of those little, like, light ball ideas in the head, right? And he was like, ah, I got it. He goes to these two birds, and he's like, I, got, I found this twig. I need you guys to do me a favor. You guys grab the, 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 the twig. You guys start flying. I'm going to hold on to the twig, fly me across the river, and then I'll let go, and we'll be good. The bird's like, man, that sounds like an awesome idea. Let's go. So they go, and they grab onto the stick. The frog... <laughs> Bites right and he's holding on to it and he starts flying him over the river. And all of a sudden, this guy's walking down the riverbank and says, Wow! I wonder whose idea that was. And the frog says, Me! For those that didn't get it, when he opened his mouth, he fell off, okay? <laughs> the wrong time to speak can be just as bad as what you say. When I do premarital counselings, I always talk to the couples about what we term fighting fair. What do, I what do I mean by fighting fair? Well, if my wife and I are about to go do something, for example, right before me coming to preach, would not be the right time for her to tell me that I left shoes in the wrong place. I can't believe, oh, but I had to get it off my chest. Yeah, but I was about to go preach. It just wasn't the right time. That was not fair. You know your husband or, or your wife has a huge meeting at work. What's the right time to broach the situation? But many times because we are, maybe not you, I'm a human. And as a human, I'm selfish. The human race is selfish. And what do we do many times? And why do we get in trouble in what we speak? Because it's about what I need to say when I need to say it because of how I feel. 
And so the I makes me speak and I end up making a disaster. And so I ask you the question, are you aware? Are we aware of what's coming out of our mouths? Got quiet, man. Y'all laughed at my joke and then it got quiet. First Timothy. I'm sorry, book of James. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Church, I want to tell you I love you. I'm preaching to myself, okay? I'm, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. I got to stay quiet many times. James chapter 3. Amen, Matthew. You got it. Learn it now. James chapter 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. That's deep right there. Okay, watch, watch. Let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. You want to be in leadership as a Christian? The line or the road is even more narrow. Okay? <laughs> Sit him in the front row. 11 months old and knows how to preach on the preacher. Come on. Whew. All right. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. Notice how we say all, okay? I'm going to point out something else there. The reason it says is for we all, I believe, this is my personal opinion, that when it includes all many times throughout different in the scripture is because as Christians, whenever we hear a message, we always try to apply it to someone else in our lives. Oh, I hope my wife heard the pastor say that. I'm going to bring it up. Reply it to somebody else, right? No, no, no. He's saying there, we all, even the people watching and are listening to it later on whatever we put it up, Spotify or whatever. If anyone does not stumble in many things, I'm sorry, if anyone, I mixed up. I'm going to start again. Verse two, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell did you catch that i mean it reminds me of matthew chapter 15 where jesus is talking and they're telling him about defiling their body and jesus is like yo what you put into your mouth doesn't defile you what comes out of your mouth, now that defiles you. See, that's what defiles you. Do you remember when Peter told Jesus, no, no, you don't got to do that. You're Jesus. You don't got to. And Jesus is like, get away from me, Satan. Peter's words in that instant came from the very pit of hell. That's what the Bible says. And so I ask you, are the words that are coming out of our mouth are they words that bring life and words that come from God? Or are we allowing our words to be influenced by the pit of hell? 
Then it goes into the next verse. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Do you know why it says that no man can tame the tongue? Because the only one that can tame your tongue is God. The only one that can tame your tongue is God. How? By filling yourself more and more with God so that what comes out of your mouth is what God wants you to say and not what you want to say. Whatever you put in is what comes out, true or not? Anybody ever go and get some nice, really good garlic bread and eat it with the extra garlic? I'm, I'm a garlic guy. I, lo- I mean, I eat raw garlic. I love garlic. You know what happens if I go through like three or four days of binging on garlic? Y'all don't want to get near me. Hey, how are you? Oh, look, that person fell out in the spirit when pastor just said hi. No, they fell out under my breath. <laughs> the breath of garlic, right? What you put in is going to come out. So if you fill yourself with God, he's the one that can tame your tongue. And when comes out will be what God wants you to say. Not what you want to say. We're too used to filling our mouth with just complaining about everything, aren't we? We complain about everything. You ever heard the saying of, I complained about having no shoes until I saw a man that had no feet? See, we would complain a little less if we uh, understood that there's always someone who has it worse off than we do. We're going to complain a little less if we always understand that there's something to be thankful for and you choose to look for that something. I read about a guy that decided to join a monastery, and it was a specific type of monastery that only allowed the monks to speak two words per year. Very, very strict. So this guy joins that monastery, and he goes the entire year, and he's brought over to the, the main monk, the main guy in charge, and the guy's like, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're fulfilling your vow, you have your two words, go ahead. And he says, bed hard. Whole year, bed hard. Whole year passes by again. They bring him over to the head monk. He's like, go ahead. You need to write down what you said last. You said better. Okay. What's your thing? He's like, food bad. <laughs> Two whole years, four words. Bed hard, food bad. They go all the way to the end of the third year. He comes up to the head monk. He's like, what do you want to say? He's like, I quit. Monk says, I could have told you that since day one. All you've said is complain. All you've done is complain. Six words, three years. Bed hard, bad food, quit. How many times we, we only have a few minutes with someone and all we do is complain. I remember when I worked in Houghton Mifflin Harcourt and I, I worked in professional development, I'd go meet with a teacher and I mean, my company was charging a lot of money for us to be there. And I'm trying to help the teachers do, you know, use their, and it was just, it was griping. No, because are this and are that. And I was like, y'all, y'all kind of wasting, you know, your school's paying like a lot of money for us to be here. And all you're doing is wasting the time with what you're saying that's got no produce, no, no, nothing good coming out of it. 
So he says, the tongue cannot be tamed by man. Again, why only God can tame your tongue. Continues to saying in James chapter 3, verse number 8, No man can tame the tongue. It's unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Can you think about that for a second? If you want to think about how powerful our tongue is, remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we mentioned or last week, God is love. We were made in the image of God, therefore we are to walk in love, right? We made that, that, we talked about that last Sunday. So if mankind is made in the similitude of God, it means we have authority in what, in what we say. Do you understand that God made everything by speaking it into existence? Go to Genesis chapter one, first book of the Bible, easy to find it, first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the voice was, the earth was dark and void, and then it says, and God said, let there be light. And God said, let, God said, God spoke it, it happened. And he made us in his image, which means that we have power in what we say. Now, don't jump off the other side of the extreme now and be like, oh no, I got to walk in super faith. Nothing negative come out of my mouth. Listen, you go to the doctor because your foot hurts and you're there in front of the doctor. He's like, well, how are you doing today? By golly, I'm good. No negative speech out of my mouth. No, you went to the professional. Let them know that your ankle hurts. Let them do the x-ray and put a boot on if you need to, okay? Because I've, I've met people that are all the way on the other side of the thing. Oh, no, nothing negative, nothing negative, nothing negative, anything. And they're there like, you know, the blood's gushing out. It's like, I'm fine. No, you're not. Get stitches. So with it, we bless God, our Father, and we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Did you watch that? This not ought to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So part of our daily thing when we pray and talk to God needs to be with the psalmist wrote in Psalm 141 verse 3. Jot down Psalm 141 verse number 3. Look what he said. Set a guard, O God, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Some of y'all need to not just say it. Y'all man needs to be like, Lord, oh God, set guard over my iPhone. Put my thumbs into things that I cannot tweet. It's just as bad, man. Can I, can, can I tell you something? Watch. You can ask my wife. She's sitting right there. Yesterday she asked me, did you see the picture I posted of the girls? I said, go grab my phone. I deleted Facebook. I deleted Twitter. I deleted Instagram. They're not on my phone. Not because I, post, I, I don't post stuff. Or I just, I'm tired of reading all y'alls. <laughs> Sorry. I'm your pastor. I'm called to guide you. Meet with somebody for hours, talking about the thing, talking about stuff, advising. 
And then they put on there for everyone to see the exact opposite of what the Bible said that we talked about. <laughs> so it was hurting me. It was affecting me. Gone. I got a call with my pastor, with Pastor Joel this week, and I'm going to tell him, keep me on check. Ask me, when, you met, when we meet, ask me, have you put them back on your phone? And call me out. I don't, I don't want them anymore. Because it's hurting me. It's making me think things I shouldn't think. So I told Patty, I was like, I'm going to talk with our, our social media team. If they want to have my username and password and put a verse up every once in a while or whatever, they can have at it. But for right now, for this season, I, I need to get rid of it because it's affecting me. And if it's going to affect me, get rid of it. And like that, there's so many other things in our lives. See, because... Kindergartners right now use speech that 20 years ago you'd only hear out of the mouth of a grown sailor. I left the classroom in 2007 and it had gotten bad. In the year 2005, I had to remove a weapon from a student in a good school in Kendall. Teachers need about seven times the pay that they get right now. You know why? Because we, as a society, have said that certain things are okay, and the church hasn't stood up to say that's not what the Bible says. I don't care what society says is now acceptable. I go by what God says. And if the body of Christ would do that, we'd bring change. But we're too busy talking just like the world, acting just like the world, watching just what the world watches. Is there something wrong with going to the movies? No. Is there something with watching a, wrong with watching a football game? Heck no. Dolphins are going to beat the Jets today and we're all going to cheer. So I'm going to tell Joel after service, you know what? I'm see, let's see how confident Joel is in his Jets today. After service, I'm going to tell him, if the Dolphins win, he has to wear onesies of the Dolphins for the whole first year of his life. Let's see how confident he is. I did that with Steven the other day. They were playing the Cowboys were going to pay the Patriots. And I said, Steven, let's make a bet. He's like, what, Pastor? And I said, you're confident the Cowboys are going to win. So if the Patriots win, I'll preach wearing Cowboys gear. If the Cowboys win, sorry. If the Cowboys win, I'll preach wearing Cowboys gear. But if the Patriots win, you got to shave your beard. He said, I won't take the best. And then you're not confident. <laughs> Let's get back to the word. Put a guard is what the psalmist wrote. Put a guard. Go to Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 4. Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 4. This is Isaiah talking, and he says this. The Lord has given me 
the tongue of the learned. Now pause there for a second. Remember what we read in James. No man can tame the tongue. So I told you, only God can, right? So Jeremiah, uh, here Isaiah says, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, the, the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Again, the man cannot tame the tongue, but the Lord every day can wake you up and tell you what to say, when to say, how to say it, and to whom to say it. But it wasn't always that way in Isaiah's life. It wasn't always that way. See, go back to chapter 6 of Isaiah. Okay? Chapter 6 of Isaiah, verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. He had and saw a vision of the throne of God. The very essence of his presence, right? Look at his response, verse number five. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When you get before the presence of God, you can realize and really be aware of what's come out. And that's what Isaiah said. Woe is me. I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. Because why? That was the kickers right there. Because I live in the midst of people with unclean lips. I mean, have you ever been somewhere where they're playing the clean version of a song? And in the point of, because you know, there's songs that have bad words in it, some of you are looking like, there's songs with bad words. Yeah, there's songs with bad words. Shouldn't listen to them. But they get them and they make a clean version. I remember as a teacher many years ago, we would have a dance for the students and the DJ was told they had to play the clean version. And so the song would start playing. And when it got to the part that they would mute out, that was skipped out, all the kids said the word. Y'all looking at me like, oh, that doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it does. Everywhere, on the radio, wherever they play the clean version, the clean version, the people who know it, they say it. Why? Because we're in the midst. What we watch on TV today would have been rated R 10 years ago. But we watch it. And we go watch it. And we support it. He said, I'm unclean because I'm in the midst of all these people. I can't. I, I, what, what do I do? So we have a merciful God. We have such an amazingly merciful God. Look at the next verse. In the, verse number six, he says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, 
having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Again, we cannot tame the tongue. But if we pursue God, God can tell us what to say, when to say, who to say it to. And not only will he purge our lips with his sub, not only will he put that live coal so that it gets out of there. In the next verse, God says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Church, we need to understand that we are to be that voice that speaks life, that voice that brings life over every circumstance, over every situation. We need to ask God day by day, put a guard in my mouth that I may not open it and say what I'm not supposed to say. We need to pray every day, God, give me the ears to hear your voice to be able to say what you want me to say. But you know what the problem is a lot of times? God's trying to talk to us but we can't hear it because we're talking. I mean, any, any parent here ever tried to have a conversation, tell something to your kid and your kid will not stop to listen? I, I, I was meeting with the principal at COPE the other day because we were going to do some stuff with them and we'll announce it later. But I, I was talking to her and, 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 and she was saying about principals. She was like, yeah, you did professional development. Do you ever deal with principals? Like, yeah. It's like, they're the worst. They'll talk, they'll this, that, and they'll like, yeah, I just used to stay quiet. I'd be in front of a room with all the people in there and I, I wouldn't try to get their attention. I'd just stand there. And one by one, they'd start getting quiet and then I'd say, when you're all done, I'll speak. So here we are. We have God trying to speak to us. But all we're doing is talking. Do you know that prayer involves listening to God too? Worship involves listening to God. Reading the Bible is important because that's how God talks to you. Church, I encourage you. Every day, ask God. Put a guard in my mouth. Anoint my ears to hear you. Find somebody to help you stay accountable with. When there's something that really wants to come out, ask yourself the question, am I going to say that just to make myself feel good? Or is this going to bring any edification? You know, many times we say it to just get it off our chest and let the world be damned that it goes to hell. Because I don't care. I just needed to get it off my chest. Ask yourself, is this going to bring unity? Is this going to bring healing? Is this going to bring restoration? Is this that I'm going to say bring health? Or is what's coming out of my mouth, these are not my words, don't get mad at me, it's James chapter 3, is what's coming out of your mouth coming straight from the pit of hell. Church, I encourage you, fill yourself so that you may speak life. Speak life over your husband or your wife. 
Speak life over your children, life over your grandchildren, life over your parents, life over your boss, life over that coworker that tried to do you wrong, life over the guy that cut you off on I-95, life over the guy that took your place in the shopping cart in the parking lot. Life! Speak life. For every word that comes out of your mouth is being recorded in heaven. Life and death, it's right here in the power of your tongue.